Welcome to the Cinema Rack, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Rag. I hope you're doing well today. Today, we're going to continue the series of Sexy Saturday and talk about Zoe Deschanel. Now, I think Zoe Deschanel is, is pretty well known, and I think she's had an interesting and varied career, but why am I including her in the Sexy Saturday? Would I consider Zoe Deschanel sexy? No, she's not sexy, but... When I conceived this series within the cinema rag, I wanted something alliterative and I thought it'd be good to do something every Saturday. So Sexy Saturday is good. But if you look at most of the women that I've highlighted on Sexy Saturday, I don't think the large majority of them would be sexy. So I should have come up with something more like, I don't know, the, the, the adjectival equivalent of cute, but not sultry. So I don't know, maybe slinky. I don't know surreptitiously cute sexy Saturday. I don't, I don't know either way Zoe Deschanel she's probably best known for three roles if I had to guess if you had to do family feud style walk up to random strangers show her a picture they probably wouldn't even know her name but you show her a picture of Zoe Deschanel what are they going to say she was in I would say at least for me and I am not you know, a well-versed cinephile but I think for me it's 500 days of summer Clearly, that's one of the movies I love that I've done on this feed. Go check out, scroll through the back catalog and find that one. It's probably my favorite romantic comedy. Not because I think it's necessarily the best well-made romantic comedy, but it has a lot of truisms about relationships in it. I think probably most people would recognize her from New Girl, the Fox sitcom she was on for years. She was the headliner, of course. And I think then most people, if you tell them that she was Jovi in Elf, they'd be like, oh, yeah. Because if you look at her in, in, in Elf, she's young, but she's got the weird kind of blonde hair. And so you might not recognize her because when you think of Zoe Deschanel, you think of kind of the bangs, the long blackish hair, the blue eyes. And so she doesn't look like classic Zoe Deschanel in Elf. But she's probably going to be remembered mostly for, I would say, New Girl and for Elf. Now, why do I like Zoe Deschanel? Zoe Deschanel it epitomizes the pixie dream girl. I mean, they even lampoon this all the time. Like, why, why Zoe Deschanel is the epitome of the, of the pixie dream girl? And I've talked about it in the early Sexy Saturday episodes, how when I was in college, or even when I was in high school, um, that was the girl I was attracted to. I had no luck with women in high school. I was really fat. and so. But I noticed... Whether it be like Elizabeth Shue, who is another Sexy Saturday here. I always liked the cute girls. And I did like the Pixie Dream girls, which were really big in the 90s when I was in my formative time. The the girls who would wear the, the, the kind of the sundresses and long flowing hair and, and the bangs and just the sweet look. I've always liked that. Never liked the sexy look. And Zoe Deschanel at her peak, at her prime, and most importantly, kind of the, the roles that she plays is that girl. She kind of plays the same role in every movie. And when she plays something different, you're like, what? No, you're the pixie dream girl. In terms of her body and her looks, I mean, she's, she's like they mentioned in 500 Days of Summer, she's average height. She's 5'5", an average figure. And she just has a beautiful face. I think it's the combination 
of the snow white look that she has in her face and that she's got the the blue eyes and i you know i couldn't tell you what her natural hair color is but she has the, the kind of the black hair with the blue eyes with the pale skin and i think when you look at that combination that is kind of a a, a look that a lot of uh, that that's kind of a unique look when we think of blue eyes it's typically going to be with the blonde hair the dirty blonde hair the fake blonde hair so the, the kind of Snow White-esque look that she has is unique. And so I like her look at her when she was at her peak, but also it's the personality that she gives off because she gives off the kind of cute, quirky girl. And that's the kind of the girl I've always kind of found attractive. Now, in terms of her career, she started out in some movies that I actually quite like quite a bit. Mumford, 1999, was a Lawrence Kasdan comedy about a guy who pretends to be a psychologist in a small town, but really is not a psychologist. It also has Jason Lee in the movie. She plays probably her first well-known role is an almost famous. She plays the sister, the older sister of the main character. And then she was praised for that. And then later on, I think she maybe got a little fame for, for being in the good girl. The good girl is the Jennifer Aniston movie where Aniston has an affair with a young Jake Gyllenhaal and they all work at a supermarket it's like small town midwestern small town and it's kind of it, it's really a, a movie that features Aniston trying to get off of the friends typecasting because this is early the early knots and Zoe Deschanel plays a colleague of hers at the supermarket I think that's probably where I first noticed her only in retrospect when I saw him as famous did I be like oh that's Zoe Deschanel so I'd say it was probably that so probably from The Good Girl and from some other other things that she would do. She was doing a little television. She did uh, some, some Frasier and so forth. Then eventually she gets Elf in 2003. And that movie, of course, elevated her. And Elf is a great movie. Elf holds up really well. Now, the age inappropriateness of Elf and Buddy or Jovi and Bowie is, is questionable because you think that Jovi's probably what? I don't know, low 20s? And what is Buddy supposed to be? I mean, at the time, Farrell's at least in his late 30s, if not. And he looks older than that, but either way. So from there, she does A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And this is really where she starts to enter her peak in terms of her movie career. And then later on, she does Failure to Launch. She plays, that's Jessica, Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. And she plays kind of the best friend to Sarah Jessica Parker. And then later on, she does Bridge to Terapathia, and then she does Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. I have not seen that movie, so I don't know who she plays in that movie, to be fair. She plays Dorothy Evans. I don't know who that is in that movie, but she does the, the Western there. Then she gets a big break. 2008, 2009 is a good time for her. She does Yes Man. and it, It's funny to think how long it's been since Jim Carrey was relevant, but Yes Man is the... The movie where he can't say no to anything, so everything is yes. And again, she plays the love interest and seems a little young to be Jim Carrey's love interest in this movie, but I guess let's go with it. And in 2009, is 500 Days of Summer. Let's take a I break. I wanted to let you know about some of the other feeds here at the Eclectico Gregorio. The oldest one we have is The Awakened Man, which mostly deals with holistic health, medical cover-ups, ways to biohack your life to ensure longer longevity, medical conspiracies, and naturopathic stuff. 
We also have, and that there's probably about 400, 500 episodes over there. We started that one back in 2017, 2016, I believe. We also have the Female Holistic Health Apothecary, which originally started as an essential oils feed. And there's about 100 episodes on essential oils, particular essential oils like rose and lavender and sandalwood and so forth. And then later I morphed it into more topics that are regarded for female health, female specific. We've had that feed also since 2016. And then lastly, we have Confessions of an Obese Child, which deals with my childhood obesity and trauma that came from it. So it's a great feed for those who dealt with childhood trauma that led you to have addictions to alcohol or food. And I interviewed several people and what it was like to grow up overweight and all the difficulties of losing the weight and then keeping it off and trying to metamorphosize into a regular weighted person. So check out those feeds at the Eclectical Gregory on Apple or Spotify. 500 Days of Summer, I think to me is her seminal work because partly because she's the co-lead of this movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it really cements her as the pixie dream girl. And the thing is about 500 Days of Summer is that was a, it was an indie hit. It wasn't like a big hit in the theaters. But I think it's one of those movies that is well-loved uh, even to this day. And she plays Summer, 500 Days of Summer, and it chronicles their relationship. And, for, and it goes back and forth if you've not seen it. Go to the episode I did on 500 Days of Summer. But ultimately, the thing, the thing about that movie is that Summer ends up breaking up with Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. And she ends up being vilified at the end because she says, you know, everything. Because she, she marries a guy quickly after the breakup. And he's like, how can you how can you be engaged and marry somebody so quickly? And she's like, well, all the things I realized that all the things that he had are things that you didn't have. Or she says a line that's very cold. And like people are like, God, Summer's such a witch. God. But as I break down that movie... In that episode, I talk about, in fact, it, it, Summer was very honest the entire time in that movie. How She didn't want a relationship. She didn't believe in true love. And ultimately, it was it was a good thing because it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character that taught her that true love exists, romance exists. And because of him in her life, she, able to found, she was able to find her dream guy. But since it doesn't end like the typical rom-com where the two people don't end up together and some people vilify her but either way i would tell her that's probably at her peak if you didn't know and i forgot to mention i should have mentioned this in the beginning she has a sister emily deschanel who was on that long standing show bones with david borealis from buffy fame and uh, she did a couple guest appearances on that show so from there she parlays the success that she has with 500 days of summer and yes man it is a really stupid movie. Our, our idiot brother, she plays one of three sis- sisters, and Paul Rudd is the idiot brother. It's fine. It's like a typical indie movie. Then she does Your Highness, which is the stoner movie with Natalie Portman's in it and uh, the guy from Eastbound and Down and Franco. It's it's a pretty stupid movie unless you, unless you like pot-smoking movies. And then around that time is when she gets New Girl. So New Girl is a television show that was exceedingly successful made tons of money for for fox and for her and it ran for seven seasons it ran for quite a long time and she plays the pixie dream girl right she plays the typical the typical character that she is so she plays that and she does it for 146 episodes and it really cemented her i think with with middle america because 
network television. This is what middle America is going to watch more. And that definitely catapulted her, her, her fame. And I think that was really kind of the last like big thing she did during that time. She did continue to do some movies, but nothing as relevant as what she had done before. She is Bridget in the, the movies troll, the troll movies. So she did that. And, and really hasn't done much since then. Now, why is that? Well, let's go to the, the classic, why aren't these women getting roles anymore spiel. Let's look at her personal life. So her personal life, she is in a band uh, called She and Him. And I like their music because I do like kind of the female singer-songwriter quirky music. And so she's been releasing that music for well over a decade, if not longer. It's just her and a guy. And... Um, it's relatively successful if you like that kind of music, which I think is it's cute music. I don't have a problem with it. In terms of her personal life, she she's she's not like some of the sexy Saturday women who we've done where they meet a guy, stay with a guy for their entire life. She is a double divorcee. So what happened was she started dating uh, a guy, Ben Gibbard, who was the lead vocalist for Death Cab for Cutie, which is a band that I've never listened to. And they got engaged in 2008. They were married in 2009 and they got divorced two years later, very fast. And then after that, she was with a film producer, Jacob Pachenik, and they got together, married in 2015, and they've had two children. One of them was born in July 2015, so you can tell that was a whoops pregnancy, and they wanted to you know, make it legit. Because at this time, she's 35. So she gets married for the second time when she's 35 and she has this child one month after she is married and then has a son that was born in 2017. And then they separated. And then right after they separated, she starts dating Jonathan Scott. Now you might not know the name Jonathan Scott, but Jonathan Scott is one of the property brothers who you're probably familiar with. And they have been dating for the last three years and they seem to be in a serious relationship. So I think it's a combination why she's not getting roles anymore with a couple of things. She's 42 now, 43 years old, and she's getting older and the roles aren't necessarily there for her. And also she's busy raising two uh, young children and that, of course, takes time. Do I think Zoe Deschanel is eventually going to make a comeback? Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be a space for her on television. She does have a unique kind of type to her now well what if and how that type will translate as she gets into the menopausal years would be difficult to know because the quirky the quirky pixie dream girl kind of only works when you're a girl and when you get into your 50s i don't know exactly how that's going to translate do i think she's got talent I, I i don't know i think she's got limited range and i think she's got talent for a certain type of role so if she goes back to television, I really think it's going to be doing the television that's kind of like New Girl. But I don't know how she's going to translate that. She could be, end up being like the quirky mom of a new show where the headliner is the daughter. Maybe like a Gilmore Girls kind of vehicle. I could maybe see her doing something like that. Uh, but aside from that, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. She might just kind of retire from Hollywood and end up being one of these like HDTV star wives. Who knows? Who knows? But at her peak, in the knots, she was one of the girls I used to have a crush on because she kind of epitomized everything I liked in girls and women. The last thing I want to mention is Saturday Night Live used to do a great skit 
of the Zoe Deschanel show. And it had Abby Elliott as Zoe Deschanel. And I think it was only two episodes where they it, it takes place in like an, in, a, in in Zoe Deschanel's house, and Abby Elliott plays her as the pixie dream girl, and she has stars that come and visit her. One is Drew Barrymore, another one is I think Emma Stone, and they're pretending to be somebody else. And then it's got Taron Killiam as <laughs> Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah is like he's he's got the really high voice. Taron Killiam is like this. He's like oh my god, Zoe, that's amazing. And like he's like the orbiter simp who worships her but can't admit that he likes her and she just blows him off. I really recommend you go to YouTube or if you have Peacock to watch those SNL skits, just look up Zoe Deschanel show. They are really funny. And if you kind of know Zoe Deschanel or like it, you will like these skits because they're pretty funny. All right, guys, I'm going to post a poll over at the Cinema Rec Facebook group if you like Zoe Deschanel. Two links in the episode notes. One's for PayPal to make a donation. The other one is a link to the website, which hosts all the Eclectico Gregorio feeds, but it's just much easier to listen to them on Apple and Spotify, where you can rate and review, and I would appreciate a five-star review if you can. Until next time, take care, God bless, and pray. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.